You're listening to the City Lights Equipping Podcast, where we are helping you identify your next step in exalting Jesus and extending the kingdom of heaven right where you are. If this podcast encourages or challenges you, please leave us feedback on our iTunes channel and share on your social media to help more people discover the very same things that are stirring you in your walk with the Lord. Warmest greetings to you, podcast listeners. So good to be with you. My name is Oliver Wong, and across from me is... Chris Armfield. This is the equipping podcast that goes along with City Lights. You are listening to this, hopefully because you are learning with us to take next steps, and we always want to be growing. Always want to be growing. Warmest greetings made me feel like Seasons it is a greetings. time other than July. Because, <laughs> well, warmest greetings, it is a warm greeting outside, but usually warmest greetings is something when you're like... Baby, it's cold outside, and yeah. like you want to come inside for the warm. Greeting. Somebody out there is in their car right now with their heats broken and the <laughs> windows are locked up, and they're like, "Uh, I wish it was more of a cool, yes. like a chill greeting." There's a city lighter that every time I hug him, his back is completely oh! sweaty. No, but he has a really nice car. I think, I think, I'm guessing two things: one, well, three. Loves the windows open just yeah. because he's young and, I don't know, there's something fun about windows. Two, he's economically minded. So okay. he's saving money, not running his Good for air. Him. And three, he just sweats a lot. But <laughs> I really, I'm going with one and two, and he doesn't seem to mind. I haven't seen him bothered or anything. And when I grab him and I hug him, my, I mean, it is, there's not a dry spot on him. So warmest greetings consistently is what I receive from him. Podcast listener, my brother Chris, your friend Chris, and mine, uh, went through a surgery today. I'm being, of course, hyperbolic about yeah. that. You went through a dental procedure today, dental which procedure. you described as a construction site around your face. Yeah, I went to Lake Kiwi with Izzy Hughes Woo-hoo. and friends Hello, and my squishy. family. Big shout out to the Hughes shout and their outs. hospitality at Lake Kiwi. Uh, and I chipped my front tooth. And here's how I found out, Oliver. I mm. didn't feel anything. I didn't hear anything. But my youngest daughter went, ew. And I'm like, what, sweetie? And she's like, ew, your mouth. I'm like, what, honey? And she said, gross, something's on your tooth. And then that drew the attention of the rest of my family. And my oldest daughter, Annabelle, said like, oh, dad, you chipped your tooth. And I just thought I had something on my tooth. I was eating grapes, so it had nothing to do with what I was eating. But yes, my front tooth looked like a Tetris piece. If you ever played that video game Tetris where you're trying to shift it around. It reminded me of Lloyd Christmas. Speaking of Christmas from Dumb and Dumb. Other people have given that reference as well. Samsonite. So I've been walking around with that. And yes, they took pictures, were laughing at me at the dentist's office, and then they got, it felt like brick and mortar and mud and ultraviolet lights and saws and sandpaper. And then all of a sudden they put a mirror in front of me and said, there you go. So yeah, yeah, now I have complete teeth. It was my front. It was my front tooth. So um, I'm thankful to have what I have on my face now, and I'm filming today for our website after podcast. So it would have been kind of funny to have a big chunk out of my tooth for that. But I told the dentist office, "Thank you, you got me ready for film." I need to get to dentist so bad, man. Like I have, I don't know what disease I have. It's some type of disease Disease. that. Well, my teeth just manifest cavities. Like I could, I I have so I just get cavities all the time. I've never gone to the dentist without having cavities. Do you floss? Yes, I do all that stuff. Do you really? Oh yeah. Well, it's genetic because my son's never had a cavity and he he doesn't floss or brush. Uh, Yeah. Well, it's like Kyra's fourteen, but he rarely does those things. And my doctor said. Uh, you are going to have to pay me extra if you ever get a cavity because you're, it's almost impossible. Kyra has you one cavity. Have, okay, so I've gone to the dentist before and had then. 20 cavities before. Well, in, I, keep in mind now, I haven't... Wait, I've they gone, found at one sitting, they found I've 20? I've gone a span of three years before not going to the dentist. Yeah, that's right. And I brush and do all that stuff. Do it's you amazing. have all your teeth or have they had to pull Yeah, any? they're all in they're Okay, all well, in I've there. had to pull several because yeah. we did root canals and then I've, after the root canals, there was just so much If you're so judging me, podcast listeners, just don't. 
Just, yeah. just pray for me. Support me. Love well, me. Well, I don't know that you have a disease, but you definitely have a genetic... <laughs> Something uh, disposition. Predisposition to cavity-stricken teeth. We're going to continue our conversation today about God's role in ours. Last week, we talked about our world and the way that God impacts it. Are we responsible primarily or not? Go back and listen if you haven't heard. It was striking and stirring to me, um, mm-hmm. for sure. But this week, we want to talk about the inner world and how we make decisions, Chris. Um, you know, the two words that come to mind to frame our, our talk today are, are the words wisdom and prophecy. Um, mm. Wisdom would be, on the one hand, um, the summation of your intellect, the ability for you to learn, to grow, to, to read a book, to listen to a lecture, a podcast, um, apply principles. Wisdom could be found in a fortune cookie, maybe bad wisdom mm. at least, but, mm. you know, the, the Twitter could be a place where you get wisdom. It, it is mm. a principle. Always do this, never do this. Every time you do this, this will always be the result. These are principles, you know, input, output. But as you and I know, Chris, in terms of relationship and in terms of just walking with God, sometimes principles aren't enough. Um, the the Bible um, offers us a lot of answers, but in all the answers it gives us, there's a lot of vagueness. And even mm. in the Bible, Paul would use the word mystery several times, mm. even in terms of salvation or things mm. like marriage. There's mystery hidden in the Bible. And so there's a logos word, a word that explains principles, but then we have his Holy Spirit too. And so that's the second word I want to talk about today, uh, podcast listener, which is prophecy, the ability for God to speak in a small, a still small voice, sometimes opposed to or opposite of and interrupting of your wisdom. You know, you quote Proverbs where it says, mm. lean not on your own understanding, but every way delight your way in the Lord. You know, this relational dynamic that sometimes principles are not as good as the person or leave you lacking if you don't have a relational capacity to mm. hear the voice of a person. And so that's what we want to get into today as far as the question of w- where's the balance between prophecy and, and wisdom? That is quite a um, explanation of today's special. Would you like to know today's <laughs> special off the menu? Uh, that's really, <laughs> I mean, I am brought in by your introduction. What stuck out to my mind when you were sharing, I was thinking through the Old Testament and how it describes wisdom, and wisdom is the third of a progression of three things. Yeah. The Jewish mind would have thought that knowledge is the first thing that we can encounter. Yeah. And with knowledge, you seek understanding. Understanding would be the second installment of growth or education or maturation or evolution, meaning uh, some sort of progression towards something. And if you had knowledge of something that was pretty well-rounded and unbiased, you could just understand knowledge you really weren't anything until you could understand it. Uh And when you gain understanding, then you can take what you understand and potentially apply it. If you could apply your understanding to situations, you were known as wise. So tell you those three things again. So it's knowledge, Knowledge, understanding, understanding, wisdom, and and they work in that order. So you don't really start with wisdom unless you understand something, and you can't understand something unless you have knowledge So here's what's intriguing to me. So you go both directions. The Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the religious establishment that Jesus would find himself in in the New Testament would find to me potentially the residual and the symptom of what it would look like to fully embrace those three things, Correct. but maybe not embrace God at all, which is the Correct. irony. They were so dumbfounded right. at so many times you see encountering with Jesus is, right. how do I have intellect, wisdom, and, and, and those three things you mentioned, but then not having something that this rabbi wants me to have? So you're exactly right. And I think if we take the thrust of the Old Testament, which the Pharisees prized, and frankly, they didn't just have knowledge. They didn't just have understanding, they had the wisdom, which was their application. Now, here's the problem. Jesus, what I would say is Jesus is the perfect embodiment. Well, I think the scriptures say, so when I'm just saying I, it's not a Chris Armfield thing. The scriptures present Jesus, the, the stories about him present Jesus as the perfect embodiment of wisdom, but it really came forth more like prophetic. Why? Well, when Jesus heals somebody, 
they have an issue with not the fact that somebody was healed because it was undeniable. They have an issue with the fact that it was done on a certain day and in a certain time. Mm-hmm. And so why? Because that went against the application right. of what they understood from the knowledge of the law that they interpreted. Mm. So there, it, Jesus is what I would call a prophetic movement, uh, a prophetic action and the reason I say prophetic in that regard is Jesus didn't heal everybody on earth, but he healed some. Uh, perhaps, you know, when he heals by the pool of Bethesda, there's potentially hundreds of people. He healed one person there. Right. Not that he couldn't have healed others, but right. why that one, Jesus? He what, That wasn't wise. You should have used your time more wisely and just screamed healing for everyone. Well, wisdom was his reputation not getting out and it being a widespread thing yet. So wisdom was encountering one person, and that story would be recorded, but they have an issue with it. You look at the other moment, uh, another one that's worthy of reference. When a woman's caught in adultery, wisdom, based on knowledge, based on understanding the law was, she should be stoned to death. However, Mm -hmm. here's the other thing. Jesus wasn't just... Now, Jesus pardoned a woman who didn't say sorry, who broke the law. Mm -hmm. At first glance, that's a real problem. You go, that prophecy... Isn't that contradictory? So, oh, so Jesus had a trump card. No, Jesus knew this. Yeah. Jesus had a, what we use the word logos today, meaning it's it's what the scriptures are saying. Yeah, he said specifically that, that no word from the prophecies or from the scripture would fall void. So That's he right. said he's not negating any That's of those right. things. In fact, righteousness is going to be an addition to on yep. top of the foundations so a prophetic, of scripture. So to say that Jesus was prophetically wise in his healing of that person on the Sabbath is true. To say he was prophetically wise to pardon somebody who didn't ask for forgiveness yet uh, was prophetically and wis- it was wisdom fully embodied. What do I mean by that? Well, just just for to clear that up, you if you had committed a sin that somebody was guilty of, you were not allowed to bring an accusation mm. to that person, number one. Number two, that was not a true court hearing, and there were not other witnesses, um, meaning she did that deed with somebody else. That other figure should have been there as well. Perhaps that man was in the crowd with a stone in his hand and they knew if she was caught in adultery, the man needs to be here too. And there should be a trial for this. And only those of you who didn't commit adultery can throw a rock. Potentially Oliver. What Jesus knew, that was prophetic. Mm. Like somehow he knew that was the man. Somehow he knew that they were guilty of those sins. Somehow he knew that they were misapplying this and he had a bigger thing in mind. That's all prophetic. That was not contradictory to the wisdom of the Old Testament. It was actually the perfect embodiment that honored the letter of the law in the sense of it wasn't about obedience. It was about looking for help. That woman found help in Jesus. She leaves redeemed anew. The other people leave convicted. That is the beautiful picture I hear of you saying, wisdom and prophetic. I hear you right saying, Rama. I hear you saying, prophetic and wisdom are not friends, or not foes, but they're friends. Yes. They work together. But I'm hearing you say, a, a life worked in the fullest expression of wisdom would not be enough to minister to the woman at the well, or or, or you know some of the people that Jesus crossed yeah, paths with. In, in that regard, you just mentioned. So let's just define a little bit. Logos is a biblical word, uh, and we would say logos are the things that God has chosen to reveal through the scriptures. And so, but we do believe, and this is important podcast listener, we believe that the logos of scriptures is not an end in itself. Mm-hmm. The logos of scriptures is an invitation to one of your favorite We've words. We've talked about trampolines. Trampolines. And it's it's an invitation to be incarnate. It's yeah, an invitation yeah, yeah. to be, uh, to incarnation so that you would actually move into not only a lifestyle, but a relationship with that God, which then lives out a lifestyle. So logos points to lifestyle. Logos points to trust. Logos says, this is what God is like. 
This mm. is what it's like when people have obeyed him. This is what it's like when he, they haven't. So this is this is what life looks like with him. Mm-hmm. And you can draw wisdom from there, but to say that the conversation is over is to say that rhema doesn't exist. And there's another Greek word in the scriptures called rhema, which is what God is saying. Yeah. So it would be the difference in a sense, Oliver. I know you've talked about this recently. Um, what would Jesus do versus what is Jesus doing? Mm-hmm. And the scriptures present that. So it's what did Jesus do? Wisdom. What is Jesus doing? Rhema. Um, and so I don't find those things in contradiction with one another. They honor each other. In mm-hmm. fact, in any moment of any day, we should see Logos and Rhema in a beautiful marriage and cooperation, harmony. Yeah, we want to see, obviously, First Timothy, where it talks about the Logos is alive. Basically, the scripture is God-breathed, and we consider it to be the inerrant word of God. Nothing is going to fall void of it. It is it is completely sufficient in that way, and we can trust it in every way, and it is alive to apply, and the Holy Spirit can apply scripture um, but the way that I, not to leave you hanging from the last an, an analogy or picture that we gave earlier, but the trampoline would be the scripture, oh, yeah. but the, the incarnational piece would be to jump on that belief. Yes. Okay. So what hap- What's what good is it if I were to build a trampoline, put all the things together, follow directions, make a great worldview, a principled take, a way to look at the world, a lens to look at my life. That's what scripture will do for you. But at the end of the day, those are just principles. The question that still, still leaves and begs to be asked, what do I do with that? How do mm-hmm. I jump on that? What does mm-hmm. that mean? You know, in the last Last 50 years, Chris, one of the greatest principle-driven, you know, applications of the Bible to me in my life was the purpose-driven life. Everybody hmm. read it. I think hmm. you probably have seen it, at least podcast listener read it. You know, there's broken down into, I think, five or six different principles. You were made for worship. You were made for community. You were made for service, fellowship, uh, evangelism, hmm. and so forth. And it tells you, breaks it down, you know, with scripture, um, the different principles, the values, and how I can build those things up. But here's here's the reality. Um, you know, I... I can apply all of those those principles and scriptures all the way, but nothing about that when we when we if we were to boil down the last even fifty years of, of Protestant you know expression, the the idea of relationship and religion. Well, I don't know if you call religion principle or if you call it hmm. you know paradigm or whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, it, how can I have a relationship if it's not a person, mm-hmm, right? So mm-hmm. if it's just a principle, if it's something that I can be taught and apply to a worldview, then how can I actually jump? How can I actually connect? How can I actually become incarnational? Mm. How can I actually know Jesus? Not just know him in wisdom, mm. but know him relationally. Mm. Friends, podcast listener, I challenge you to think about that. Mm. You know, really, when you look at your bracelet that says WWJD, that is an application question. Mm-hmm. That's not a relational connection point. I can't have a connection. I can't connect with that bracelet the way that I would connect with my friend Chris or connect with my um, daughter or connect with my wife. A person is a person, and, and it can't be understood in the way that could be written down in a book, even if it's as great as the purpose-driven life. Yeah, I, I think you're clarifying Logos well, and so Logos is the trampoline, and by itself, it's static. It's not moving. Right. And, um, one of the... Not fluid. Uh, yeah, and the New Testament is very... And the Old Testament is very clear that when, when God is described as Holy Spirit, it's dynamic. In fact, one of the... The power of the Spirit is where we get the word dynamite, and so um, that Greek language and that Greek word. So the, our life with with Holy Spirit in us, that incarnation is supposed to be dynamic. And yeah. I, but I don't listen, podcast listeners, I'm not saying dynamic like, go do something. Mm. It's just, it's meant to be uh, moving, 
Um, remember, the spirit is described as wind and breath and life, and it's living. So it's it's like you said, fluid and moving. And so there's that beautiful marriage of a trampoline is only as good or as fun or as useful as you use it and yeah. jump on it. And so we don't we're not by any means dissing logos because if Oliver, if you just try to jump around right now in the office, it wouldn't be very significant because your platform, your foundation, is not. It doesn't bend. It doesn't apply. It doesn't play well with you. It, it's actually, it actually probably hurts your body to continue to land on that. Mm. So we're not dissing logos. Logos is essential. Yeah. What has what has history said about God, and what has God said through the people of history? That's the scriptures. It's so important. But the scriptures themselves <laughs> point to the known things that we can interpret, exegete, John and 5, analyze. Right? Can point. They point to yeah. off the page. They point to doing a backflip. Mm-hmm. They don't just show you backflips but they inspire people to do double backflips. Jesus yeah. says, you will do greater things Correct. than I. And he, yeah. in many ways, if we want to keep it in that context, Jesus did a backflip, but he's saying, you're going to so well learn from the things that you'll have in the logos of history, the, the things that are said about me, that you'll be inspired because I'm with you. I'm incarnate in you with my spirit. I'll inspire you to do a double backflip plus a twist. Mm-hmm. And in that way, you did greater, meaning you're applying and living this out. So yes, I would like to say this, and I'll read this passage from John 5. Some people come up to Jesus, and they're logos, logos, logos. The law says this. We have knowledge. We have understanding. We're the most wise people in the city. Mm-hmm. And they were. Mm-hmm. It would be like going to a local seminary, and you go in there handing them your devotional and say, you need to read this and be educated. No, they, they've been printing devotionals, and they're the editors of devotionals, and they yeah. theologically, they're the cleanup. Right. It would be like going to them and, and bringing that and thinking you have a leg to stand on. Mm. When you were around the Pharisees, you did not have a leg to stand on with interpretation or anything. But when Jesus came around, people went, no one said that. No one's challenged that, etc. So these people come to Jesus, and they're really confused. They don't understand why he does, he's doing what he's doing. And they they can see there's power, though. There's, there's, there's like this incarnate presence of heaven when he's doing things. And the way he's saying things, there's this... There is a wisdom. There's an understanding. Remember, they said, you teach right. greater than anybody. He was not lacking and that wasn't, in that department. That wasn't, listen, he was teaching Isaiah mm-hmm. when, when they're lurching and going like, what? How is this possible? He had taught Deuteronomy. Like, wait, how do you know this? What is it? What are they saying? They're going, what we have known as our principles mm-hmm. just became something significantly more. How is this true? Sure. So Jesus, listen, I mean, this is just so great for those of us who are studied. And I, you know, I don't want to assume that you love the scriptures, you read the scriptures, you hide them in your heart, not just in memory, but like it's part of who you are. But I just want to say I've spent probably the last 25 or so years dedicating myself just about every day, pouring into it because I get to read the scriptures. And it's and it's helped me so much to know what to do when an adulterous woman gets thrown at my feet. Mm. What would God do right now? What, what did he do and what is he doing? But here's what Jesus says when people approach him. He says, uh, the father, my father who sent me, has himself borne witness about me. And he's pointing back to the scriptures, by the way, when he's right. saying this to me. He's like, you know this, right? right? And he says, his voice you have never heard, which is a real problem because he spoke the scriptures. His form you have never seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you do not have his word abiding in you. And you do not believe in the one in whom he has sent, which is himself. He's saying, you've looked into the scriptures. You know that the scriptures talk about all that, yet I'm standing right in front of you, don't see me. And he says this, verse 39, chapter 5, you search the scriptures Mm -hmm. because you think that in them you're going to find the embodiment of eternal life. You're going to find. That's a huge Remember, John later says to know him, to know Jesus in relationship is eternal life. Mm -hmm. So Jesus says, you've been looking to know me 
relate with me and be incarnate with everything that the Logos points to, mm-hmm. I'm right in front of you. And the thing that has disserviced you, listen, podcast listener, this is, this, if you take it out of context, it'll sound scary. The thing that actually harmed you was your deep, intentional Logos mm. that you concluded would look a certain way. They, Oliver, you realize they did this in such a way that the Son of God, the manifestation of everything they prized, was actually not just standing or in their presence. He was talking directly to them, interacting, yeah. helping them see that you looked in the Scriptures, but the answer that you're looking for is not in them. The Scriptures pointed to something yeah. outside of Logos, and I am the rhema of God. I am the voice of God. I'm speaking right here. So podcast listener, if you were listening, you know, this this podcast is all about growth and what essentially Chris is saying to us, to you, um, is that growth doesn't look like knowledge, head knowledge mm-hmm. of what the scripture says in terms of the law. That would be the start and the beginning to understand what God has done in history. But the ultimate goal is connection with him, is, is as he said from John 17, to know him. In, in the same mm-hmm. yada sense of the Old Testament, the way that Adam knew Eve in that mm-hmm. intimate, relational, connected, mm-hmm. uh, heartfelt way. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's much like, Chris, you brought this up beforehand, but what good is it for me to read a principal book on marriage Mm-hmm. If I don't have a wife, you know, if I don't have a wife, if I don't have a husband, what what's the point? What's the purpose of me reading those things? Those are all helpful uh, guidelines. They're roadmaps to understand. But at the end of the day, what good's a map if I don't get to the destination? What good's a trampoline if I don't get to jump on it? What good is a principled book about God that tells me the five things that I should be doing if at the end of the day, I don't feel more connected to God and people around me, something has yeah. failed. The yes. end game, we have to keep, Stephen Covey says, we have to begin with the end of mind. The end is knowing him. That mm-hmm. is the end of the game. You know, that's what I've what I've heard you say, and that's what I, I resonate. I'm stirred even for you to hear it and be talking about this today. But but to know him, to to um, acknowledge him in a room, to feel like my heart comes alive and a, the room has more color and I'm motivated by him. That's the goal. And so if if all of these books and principles don't lead me to that place, we're back at John five all over again, where he says, "Look, you've searched all the principles, the books, right. even more than the Bible, extra right. biblical things, yep. and you still don't have the prize. Yeah. The prize is to know me." And I want to affirm you. If you just listened, podcast listener, and you said Oliver just sounded emotional on that. He, you know, he wants to see him and he wants to feel him. He wants to experience him in the room. Like, oh wow, Oliver's a feeler and and he's emotional and he wants to encounter God. To be candid, though, Oliver just said that. If we had time, I would show you every single place where Oliver was just an actual incarnation of the invitation of Scripture. Scripture says, seek me. You'll f- this is Psalm 63. Seek me and you will find me. Cry out and I will listen. This is right. Old Testament, friends. Right. And listen, we don't believe we have a dispensational God, meaning he did one thing in the Old Testament, he's doing a new thing in the New Testament, mm. and there's no di- there's there's a disconnect. That's a huge deal. There, there, he's been the same God all along. If, if I had plenty of time and you were really interested, I would be happy to go from Genesis to all the way to Revelation and say... The only thing that never changed was God. Mm. The the thing that constantly changed in the other direction was humanity. Yeah. And God has consistently um, moved himself in, in with us and constantly making places for us and constantly loving us and caring for us. And so... You would, we could make a mistake and hear somebody very passionate about God and think that they are just feely and they're mystic and they're in the unknown. They're looking for the next encounter. But the scriptures, I would say simply this that the logos, the trampoline, the foundation of scriptures actually points to the mystery, the unknown, and the relational with God. So if you're, if you're, this is just a little diagnostic for your heart, which one are you more drawn to? Are you drawn to, 
just being out in nature and thinking and listening and kind of going on what I feel. And when you're up and when you're down, you're, you're connecting that's with God point. in that moment. That's not bad, but check those things. First John 4, 1, discern the spirits, right. whether they're good or bad. A thinker or a feeler. These things are not good words, bad words. They just are clarifiers about who we are. So you might be on that side or you could be on the Logos side where you're study, study, study. And you think... I can't speak, I can't share, I can't disciple, I can't pastor, I can't love unless I know more principles and the things of God. Listen, it's good not only to read the scriptures, but to know the scriptures and study them, but not to have a love relationship with scriptures, but the one that the scriptures point to. That's good. That's what it's all about. And then you find that the when you're experiencing rhema and what potentially God by his Holy Spirit is saying... It beautifully harmonizes with what he has said. There's a marriage and a harmony and a cooperation there. But I will say, I have met people who say, God, some make a very sad conclusion. They say, God doesn't do what he did anymore. I'm not even going to use time on the podcast to clarify that Mm because I don't, I don't see a whole lot of those people anymore. Sensationalism. Sensationalism. And uh, I've watched some of those people see people experience radical transformation, even physical healing, and they left saying, I don't know how to explain that, but God doesn't do it, so it's of the demons. Mm-hmm. And was that was very sad for me. That's a real story. The other ones, um, it's it's not so much that they're sensationalists, but they, they camp in a place of logos, and they believe that God could, uh, but they're just really not sure how that works. The other ones are way over on another edge, mm-hmm. and, and maybe they're flying away. You could actually see it as, you know, Rama is like a kite, and Logos is holding the string at the bottom, keeping mm. it together in harmony. And you know, if you pull the string, you can make it dance up yeah. there. So truth helps you dance. It keeps you grounded. But we're meant to have, you know, there's a purpose that God inspired the writers to describe the spirit as wind, as dust, as vapor, as, I'm sorry, not dust, but things that were uh, not static, but dynamic. So the dynamic, if you're a kite, the dynamo the the dyna, the dunamis the the lightning the the energy the power mm-hmm. is holy spirit which is the wind and truth is is that anchor at the anchor, bottom yep. yeah so stability well let's take this into real time so let's just say we make decisions all the time right but let's just say we're in Starbucks commonplace right we make however many you know the sociologists say we make thousands thousands of decisions you're in Starbucks today and um, you've been you know, you're you're 39. You you deeply want to honor the scriptures. You want to honor people in the room. You want to listen to the Holy Spirit. You want to be available to your emotions. You don't want to be a robot. There's lots of mm-hmm. uh, things informing our decisions, and and in much part, some of our podcast today is just trying to get a healthy, sustainable rhythm of what that looks like to balance some of those um, sometimes contradictory um, pulls. So mm-hmm. you're in Starbucks today. You were telling me a little bit about your interaction with an employee there at the at the front. You also ran into another guy there at the cream station, which Chris was super nice and got me a tall coffee today, which was, I like my coffee. You guys are into gifting coffees. I like coffees that are like The Bible told colored. me to get you a coffee, so I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. The Bible told <laughs> you a direct application. Yeah, purpose yeah. Really told you to do right. it. No, that's exactly the point. Sometimes the Bible doesn't tell you what to right. do. It tells you to love people. Yep. Um, there are certain principles we never you know, go void on or whatever. We never like back up from, which is the idea of loving your neighbor for sure, or discipling people of all nations. That's another command. But at the same time, it also tells you to rest. So what happens if you're in a super busy season and you go into Starbucks full of public people? Do you just always evangelize? Do you not? Um, That's really what I want to get into, Chris. So let's, let's kind of frame it from this perspective. When you go on to make the decision and tell us a little bit about your conversation with a guy um, at the little sugar station there Mm -hmm. at Starbucks, you know, what informs and compels your decision of how to talk to that person, why to talk to that person, what to bring up, what not to bring up? Um, tell me about how 
the logos in that way would inform your decision, but tell me how maybe it it would be limited in its implications so that maybe you would need some help. presence, some rhema, some help, sure. some right assistance from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I mean, this is just a real example. This is so, Oliver, you can draw out what you want. I don't know how much value would be there, but for one, um, I went to Starbucks. I was already at the office getting out of my car, and you said it would be so nice if you brought me a drink from Starbucks. Actually, I asked if I should get sour gummy worms, and you said, if you do, why don't you get me coffee? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, one <laughs> question is, do you, did you, Chris, did you pray that morning for opportunities to serve people? Uh, to be candid, I didn't. Yeah. Have I done that in my life? Absolutely. Would I look for opportunities? Yes. Um, could I have prayed whether Oliver would have wanted and, and taking some time to really think through what Oliver may have wanted, not only because I'm going to see him, but just ask the spirit and he could have told me, I think so. Mm-hmm. Did I do that? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> but was I present with you and listened to your request? I did. Why did I go to Starbucks? I went to Starbucks because I've seen how much you enjoy coffee yeah. and how much you would enjoy this mid-afternoon drink. And for me, it was a better use of my time to demonstrate my love for you and how much I like you and yeah. uh, and just bring you a gift. And so yeah. that was fun for me to do. So that's why I went. Is that based on principle? Well, maybe long time ago it was. Uh, it's based in movies and everything else, but I believe that that's, a, that's what Jesus would want to do in that moment. Yeah. It's not, I don't know that I saw him do that in the scriptures, but I know that's what he would do in that moment. Yeah. He wouldn't have said, like, you shouldn't have cream. That would be my preference, et cetera. Sure. So... I went to Starbucks, and um, I think, Oliver, every time I go somewhere, because I think that's what you're asking, I, I, I don't right now walk in and go, Holy Spirit, tell me what you're wanting me to do. To be candid is because it is now so much of yeah. how my gears tick. Every single person I look at, I'm listening for what God might want to say or do. Yeah. Now, if I don't hear anything, and today's a good example, I didn't hear anything at Starbucks from the Lord. Nothing. Uh I engage in a little bit of conversation with people. But when I went to go pour cream in your coffee, some guy went, man, you've just got it going on. He said it out loud to me. And I looked up at him. Yeah, he was clean cut, (laughs) looked nice guy, kind of Hispanic and kind of Hispanic, meaning like he just, he looked at it, sounded a little bit Hispanic. And I kind of looked at him and went, huh. And he goes, you really do have it going on. And I, I just, you know, Oliver, it's rare that I'm stuck for words, but I didn't know what to say. Sure. So I just faced. smiled. I literally smiled and I looked down because you said you wanted to be caramelized with your, um, with the amount of cream. Caramel so I did that, looked down and I genuinely, um, I didn't say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? I didn't say, God, what should I do? But I listened. I didn't put my head down. I didn't get nervous. I just went, I'm not sure why this guy's saying this to me, but I overheard him sharing with the woman next to him, this guy is throwing all kinds of events for everybody. And man, you should have seen the pool party he just threw. Oh, so nice. instantly I realized, Apartment okay, life. this guy lives at the same place I live. Yeah. And he says, I've got it going on, not because he's hitting on me or he thinks I look good. Uh, he's saying that because he sees that I have really a lot going on in my mm-hmm. life. So I look up at him and he says, uh, man, you're really busy, aren't you? Mm. At which point... I fully engaged because mm. I had context. And I just said, you know, my regular life outside of where I live is extremely busy. But I've so enjoyed the relationships that we've been starting to get to know at where we live that I've told some of my closest friends in my life that I 
have moved into preferring to spend time with people who live at our place in residence mm-hmm. more than I've spent time with my normal friends in my life. So right. I'm busy in normal life, but I'm choosing into life with people like you. Yeah. So I, I don't know what you want to try to um, <laughs> harvest out of that, but that was a well, legit process I, I just had. Here's what I hear you saying, and Podcast Listener, the name of this podcast is Prophetic Wisdom. Obviously, we're looking at a world where prophecy is not enough. At the same time, wisdom is not enough. And we imagine that incarnation would be a good word to encapsulate the merger of those two things, Mm -hmm. that I would literally not just be a walking application of the Bible, asking myself, what what did Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And intellectually, you know, pinpointing it, but it would literally become so incarnational, natural. What I heard you say, that was a key word that I heard you say. I'm not thinking about it. I'm literally almost to a place of kind of autopilot as I walk with him. I have the ability to be present in the moment Absolutely. because there's so much carried with me in my the glasses I wear. It's so infectant into my worldview that I automatically know how to respond because I right. see the world in a certain way. And I, and I hear you saying that's a process. But let me just point out to you, you know, something that I heard you say, Chris, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, there there was a presence that you kind of typically carry. In some ways, I'm hearing you say you could be more ambitious or active in your seeking those moments out. But in this case, because... It's just such a knee-jerk and, and actual reaction, a real-time reaction, that it wasn't necessarily an, an analytical process no. for you. It was a very natural relational process, which brings me to this point, and it kind of refers back to podcast listener, the Sunday sermon, if you missed it. You know, Chris essentially said, if I boil it down and oversimplify it, he just said, look, like, your vertical relationship is to God is very integrated into your horizontal relationships. In other words, mm-hmm. it would be very hard to quote First John to love an invisible God without loving the visible mm-hmm. person in front of you, right? That's mm-hmm. essentially what it's saying. So what I hear you keying into in some part, and it's the beginning, not the, the whole of your, your experience today, Chris, but your openness to the guy, just your your sheer openness of curiosity. I don't know what he's going to say. Right. I don't I don't know what I'm going to say to what he's going to say, but I'm willing to hear what he's going to say so that I can respond to what I'm going to say. The basis of relationship is is uh, is a, di- a not monolithic. You know, it is dialogue. a dialogue. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a, so it's it's two people interacting, trying to find a common pace, a common ground, a common line of thought. That's what relationships are all about. And what I heard you say last Sunday, Chris, is that our availability to that, it's not mm-hmm. the centerpiece of what we're talking about, but sometimes potentially the prophetic or what God's trying to do is actually not in the Bible. It's hidden in what that person's responding so that you can respond back to them. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy thing to think about mm-hmm. because what we've just basically said is that the goal is not to be walking Bibles. And to be to be honest, right. I think maybe if we're honest with ourselves, some of us in certain days could see ourselves as the goal is to be a walking Bible. Mm -hmm. The world comes at me, I interpret the Bible, and I do back to it what the Bible says Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. No, the goal would be oneness with God. The goal would be incarnation. The goal would be relationship with God, so much so that the Bible has helped me jump. And now I walk into situations, Jesus with skin on, and I know how to respond because in many ways... It's just a part of who I am. Right. It's part of my DNA. So I know this might be might be lofty and hard to tether down, but um, let's take another example, unless you, you well, had some thoughts, because thought I was going to go to the other one. One thought, and actually, I would, I'd love to ask you one, if we can go with a little sure, tennis match, sure. and I, well, I'll give you a heads up. Yeah. Um, so mine was just natural running an errand. Why don't you talk about something that I think it's called treasure hunts, and oh, how yeah. it's overtly... Rama, Rama, Rama. So right. like, talk about how how did that work? But so before you do that, when you were saying we shouldn't be you know, walking Bibles, I agree with the heart and what you just said. I totally agree, I, because I think your statement is true. Because we've really misunderstood and misinterpreted misinterpreted what the scripture is given to us for. Right. 
we've misinterpreted the actual scriptures yeah. and we've misapplied. Yeah. Uh, and I, there's just traps everywhere. The enemy, yeah, yeah. the enemy wants to take a great thing and just tweak it a little bit. And after you know a, a day or two, it was a little bit off. But if you stay on that course, you're so far off. Like legalism, it's just it's just so far off. The enemy's idea was just to just to push a little bit, and then just goes off course. Right. So if we were walking Bibles, it wouldn't be First Timothy this and First Chronicles that. It would be the embodiment of love, joy, peace, patience, yes. kindness. And so I would love to be a walking Bible, meaning the Bible is really God's story about how kind, gracious, and good he is. Yeah. So I would love for people to say, the way you act reminds me of that guy Jesus in the mm-hmm. Bible. Not because I was going, what would Jesus do? But I'd say, hey, Jesus, what do you want to do? What do you want to do right now in relationship? Right. So I, I like what you, you know, I just think for me as a thinker, it's always... If something becomes a total no-no, we may have exaggerated. Uh-huh. And if something's a complete yes without thinking, that's a danger. So right. there's a sense of if my Logos and Rhema are working in harmony, they complement each other and they reveal more than any one of those individually could, which I think is a good dovetail. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me. Tell me what a treasure hunt is. That's not part of my culture yeah. at all except for like Goonies, one of my favorite movies of all time, trying to find... Um, treasure in in the sea so tell, tell me a little bit about that though so is talk, talk a little bit about what that is and and in the context of this conversation how does wisdom and prophecy fit with that in the summertime it was cheaper just to have for youth group something called kingdom life it was in-house <laughs> mission trips basically you stay in people's houses thank you again to all those if you're listening that ever hosted a treasure hunt or ho- hosted a you know kingdom life house group but basically the people would stay in the house much like a d now you'd come together you had speakers and worship at the very end of the evening but instead of doing games and water slides in the day we would go out and serve the city we would go and serve mm-hmm. in practical ways by you know doing things like you know house of you know miracle hill or or um, what have you, different diligent hands, different ministries that were back then, Frazee Center. Yeah. Um, but then at, at, in the afternoons, we would kind of get transportation provided, and we would drive around and essentially minister to people in the city, and we would do that empowered by prophetic word and activation. And so the idea would be that you would go out into the city with different words, pictures, colors, names, messages, that we would pray ahead of time um, and see God basically prepare us and prepare others for what would otherwise, in my opinion, be impossible works of power and mm. of grace and of mercy. And I and especially for, for students, I look back on that time, Chris, and I think it was a very valuable time. And it was absolutely, I think, part of, you know, if you think about words of knowledge and what Jesus knew about the woman at the well that he needed for the ministry that he had, I don't think it's unbiblical. I don't think it's extra biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. it was a profitable time, right. especially for a student. I think students thrive on show me. Don't tell me. Show me. Mm-hmm. Show me the experience, mm-hmm. the practical. And if we really want to see, you know, the realization that a lot of these disciples were 16 years old and used <laughs> to change the world, I mean, that in mm-hmm. many ways is the, is more the curriculum than sit down, be quiet, raise your hand, memorize these scriptures. And so, and, and in, in many ways, I feel like like it was a, a very helpful expression. Um, we would sit at the gas station, remember, sometimes, and there would be such a grace on it. Because in honesty, I think sometimes adults, he would want something different out of and, and more loftier, more Logos and Rhema combination. But with students, I felt like there was a grace. And students would get these words. I feel like the next person that's going to drive up is going to have this outfit on, these overalls, and this truck. And before you know it, two or three cars later, this guy shows up. We go up to him. We minister to them. Sometimes wow. they reject. Sometimes they accept. Did he match that? They match the criteria. Wow. Yeah. Man, that's so even if the guy doesn't accept and receive, it still teaches the principle, oh. we're here to be obedient not necessarily to see outcome. And even if there isn't a, a preferred outcome of some kind, the fact that there, which we believe the mind is now renewed as right. well, and the imagination is one of the primary means that God communicates 
the immeasurably more and the greater things. And so the fact that that student was able just to have, uh, it's no small thing that yeah. he listened with his mind's eye in a sense and was able to project out what's going to happen in a few minutes, no matter what the outcome is, that's, that's relational. That's, yeah. that's God saying, and hey, that would be hey the key. You, you saw me, you heard me, don't worry. Oh, oh you thought it was about sharing yeah. you thought it was about leading to christ or healing his arm no it's just i wanted you to learn right. what it looks like to lean on me you know and back to your statement chris i agree you know it brings us back to the center of gravity there loving god loving neighbors you never yeah. graduate from it you never log right. us your way out of a rhema your way out of it so at the end yeah. of the day i could say maybe the yeah. downside chris is that you could become very ecstatically addicted to the process of almost seeing magic or miracles happen mm-hmm. which again don't mm-hmm. work, don't don't ask for miracles the greatest miracle is a sign of life mm-hmm. you know to paraphrase so so the point being is that um, I could see how you could run that ditch too far god what what am I going to get 2% milk or skim milk what am I going to mm-hmm. do or for, you know maybe podcast listener who am I going to marry where am I going to move to where am I going to work where <laughs> am I going to live well sometimes god just wants to say I don't want you to be a servant I want you to be a friend so you know my business so mm-hmm. ask my heart know mm-hmm. me maybe it's a 6 month process of figuring out your personality right. in light of his. That's a valuable process. What happens, podcast listener, if he cuts to the chase and gives you the answer that you want right away? Do you seek him for knowledge and wisdom and information? Those are the types of things that we should grow in an appetite for. Jesus mm. it talks about in Luke 2.52 that he grew in wisdom and in stature with God and man. There is mm. a process to this, and if we want to prophetically kind of circumvent the process, we could be our own you know, worst worst enemy in that. Mm-hmm. So if the key mm-hmm. is relationship and love, I think that God will empower both Lagos and Rhema. As long as our... I found that, honestly, and let's just talk about prophetic prophetic is a is a is attracted to love the more that i am open available relationally wanting to prefer others it's amazing how much prophecy opens up how much i can get revealed kind of words of knowledge mm-hmm. if i if i have prophecy and don't have love as, as corinthian says mm. that's a clanging gong and to be honest you can Huge. have a lot of ecstatic things but you're never going to grow Huge. in a sense of 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 depth of integrity of character you're just going to be kind of going to the next thing and so it, it really boils down to are you pacifying god into a principle so i'm going to him and oh. learning a law and a, and a legal thing that's not yeah. relational mm-hmm. do you make him to be the only active so i become completely passive a robot that just does what he says Mm -hmm. well that's not relational so if the goal is love the gravity is relationship incarnation Mm. we are in safety if we stray on either way essentially what we're doing is we're taking god or me and we're minimizing them to an object how can you love somebody and be in a relationship that's an object ultimately the purpose of your life is an object right so how do we incarnationally as you say john 17 Mm. know him we have to keep the lanes straight so that everybody can play, so that there is a relationship between me and others mm. and, and God. I just think what you share is just so good. Those last, that last paragraph and a half is just gold. I mean, I, I really, podcast listeners, you probably don't realize this, but so much, maybe you do, but you know, we plan where we're going to go and we set off kind of like a log off track and then we just see right. the shapes and the curves and the wind and the the little jetties, white water, and the cool lagoons of, of a podcast mm. together. And I just, I really enjoy hearing you share things. Because it's just, I learn from it, and I'm learning, and it's, it's exciting to me. Um, podcast listener, our, our hope for you, genuinely, is that we would really appropriately approach the scriptures, right. which is a gift from God. We believe the scriptures are a gift from God, and we believe they're reliable. The reliability of the scriptures is not for scientific proofing, it's for relational invitation. That's right. So that your relationship with your creator God, who's done everything, Jesus Christ has done everything so you can be recreated into his image, that you would have a trusting relationship with him that you grow in together. And, and that's our hope. And so how does that happen? Well, you trust the scriptures. 
but the scriptures will point to mm. a dynamic power, which mm. is God. Paul, you know, Paul was the studied Logos master, and he writes to the church at Corinth after he had met Christ and had been serving his life with Christ. He said, the gospel is not just talk, it is power. That's good. And he's not saying talk and teach and intellect doesn't matter. He's just saying that's only part. And so I just, I want to challenge you podcast listener and each day, not that you're being structured and rigid of, oh my goodness, if I'm logossing, I got to go Raymond. If I'm Raymond, I got to logossing. I want the verse that's been coming up to me all up for the last mm. 20 minutes because it's a longer podcast is simply this. Jesus said, if you're tired and you're weary and you're heavy laden, mm-hmm. which means you've been striving. If you're tired and weary, come, come get under this yoke with me. Mm-hmm. For my yoke is easy. So being connected to me is easy. That's where two ox or two cattle would get underneath one beam together and they would be their neck would be tied underneath of the beam together. He says, so being connected with me, my yoke is easy and the burden that we will carry when you walk in my rhythm is light. Mm. So what that means is the, the embodiment and marriage of Logos and Rhema is my yoke is easy and the burden of figuring this out and doing this is light. Mm. It's doable. Mm. So I just want to give you this last challenge. This is encouraging. If your application of scripture is exhausting or rigid or promoting pride, Jesus looks at you and says, come over here. Yeah. If you are running around like a frantic person, making sure that the kingdom of God and fire touches everywhere and treasure hunts are popping up and everybody has to get a word from the Lord and you're going to give it to him and you're just going to keep trying until you make it. Fake it till I make it. Just going to keep going, going faith, 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 faith. You're going to be exhausted and discouraged and it's going to be strange fire at some point. Mm. Now, I'm not I'm not agreeing with John MacArthur's strange fire book when I say that. It's just strange. I think Jesus mm. would say to you, hey, come take this yoke. Because Jesus... The way he did things is the way he's doing things. Wasn't in a rush, mm-hmm. very present with people. Right. Yoke is easy, burden is light. And Oliver, that's what I like to say. One of the checkpoints for me that I'm logosing and raiming well is that I feel the presence of Jesus. Yeah. And the presence of Jesus is marked by a, a doable, relational, mm-hmm. easy enlightenment. Yeah. Well, podcast listeners, if you've been encouraged at all, make sure to share, like, subscribe, comment on iTunes. Uh, invite other people to do this with you. The people that I know that are growing the most are the ones that are talking to other people, challenging, bringing up conversations, um, and trying to apply this uh, to life. So it's been great being here with mm-hmm. you. On behalf of City Lights and my good buddy Christopher, sayonara. Adios. Adios.